Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay, so welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Gail and I are going to be discussing November new releases that we're really looking forward to reading. We're in the midst of the fall season, so that's when all of the heavy hitter books come out. Lots of celebrity memoirs, I feel like, come out around this time. Mm-hmm. Maybe because people think that they make good gifts. So we're going to take a look at some of those books. We're going to catch you up, of course, on what we're reading. We're going to check in with Gail's move. And <laughs> pertaining to that move, we're going to ask her how she's doing with her current book. <laughs> So I moved last week, as anyone who has moved knows, it's an incredibly disruptive and frustrating process in a lot of ways. Um, so everything went really smoothly and we're happy in our new location, but one of the casualties of the move, well, let's say two of the casualties of the move. The first casualty is I haven't been able to read very much because I was up late all last week packing and then I've been up all late, late all this week unpacking. So my reading has been compressed to like, you know, the 15 minutes before I fall asleep in bed. So that's one issue. So I don't have a ton of new stuff, although I did start something new, which I can talk about. But the main issue is I have misplaced the book I was reading. <laughs> so I actually had a book on audio and a book on print. The book in print, which is now overdue, so you know I'm stressed about that. Oh that gosh. one, that one I have. That's fine, and that's the one I'm reading. But the book I really want to read is the one I was reading on audio, listening to an audio. It expired on Friday, which is moving day, and I had the print out, you know, and I put it someplace that was like, okay, this is one of those bags of important things that can't get in a box because I need to be able to access it quickly on the other end, and I have no idea where it is. Mm. It's always the stuff I feel like that you put aside because you need it for a special purpose, yes. and you're you know you're going to remember where it is that goes yes. missing. So of the, all the stuff that's gone missing. So which is the audiobook that was that was that red, So that was red, red Clocks. That was Red Clocks. Red Clocks. Um, so somebody, I posted in our Facebook group yesterday that um, I had lost my book. And one of my coworkers has re- had listened to Red Clocks on Audible. And I guess there's some feature on Audible where you can share an audiobook with a friend. Mm-hmm. One time, like you want, you can, that one of your friends can receive one book from you. So she has since forwarded. I think me that'll that. work because you didn't join Audible, right? You've well, never joined in, Audible. I think I do have an Audible membership. And in fact, I'm looking at my phone right now. I think I even have the app. Let's see. Uh, yeah, I have the app. So the only thing is she emailed it to me at my work address. So I just have to, I may have to ask her to resend it to me at my Gmail. But, um, so I can probably resume the audio if I can get that to work. So that's great. Of course, I've already started another audio, so like, there's that issue. <laughs> but like, of all the things that got lost, quote unquote, in the move, most of them have turned up, except for my book and a big bag of dog treats. So I'm hoping that my dog and I are both hoping that those last two things will show up soon. That's kind of funny. Yeah. So they're somewhere. I know the book is somewhere. It didn't get, it didn't disappear into the ether, but 
Anyway, so I'm still but reading. But it's kind of on your mind. It's on my mind. Every night I'm like, oh, I wish I could pick up red clocks. I'm curious to know what happened. <laughs> so I'm still listening to red clocks and I'm still reading Girl Unknown. So I don't have anything new to report. But Nicole, I'm sure you have finished at least one or two books since we last talked and have started new stuff. So give us an update on what you're reading. I can give you an update, but it's not, I've been busy. I don't know. This last week, I feel like I had lots of, I went to Hachette book group does a book club brunch every year. And so I went to that on Saturday, I think. And then I've just had some other stuff going on. But I am reading this book called Miss Burma by Charmaine Craig. And it's interesting because we were talking about the National Book Awards last year. And she was on the 2017 long list. Okay. And she's also up for the Bailey's Women's Prize this year. So, and Miss Burma is one of those stories that you do have to give a little bit of effort to, I think, especially as someone who is not used to um, Burma, which I believe is Myanmar. These yeah, days, I was there in February. Oh, that's where tell we, us. we went on that big trip. How was it? It's really cool. It's a really interesting country. What is um? Tell give us the context for the book. Okay, so this is set sort of around World War Two. It tells two stories. One is of the marriage between Ken and this man Benny, who's sort of he's of mixed heritage. He's Jewish. But he's born, I think he was born in Burma or India, and he's white. And Ken is one of the ethnic minorities that are in Burma. I think it's called Karen. So she is an ethnic minority. They marry. And so it's all caught up in the struggle for Burma's independence. And then they have a daughter, Louisa, who becomes Miss Burma, which is interesting in itself because the Karens are an ethnic minority, so they are not, they're not really incorporated in the government. Um, it goes into why they have a heavy pre- presence in the police force, but still not necessarily given auton- much autonomy in the country, and they're discriminated against. And so there's just been all of these things that are going on. You know, this country is at war, and it's sort of about how the British are you know, mixed up and how the colonialization of this country has just affected everyone to everyone's detriment. So anyway, their daughter wins this beauty pageant. It opens with her winning this beauty pageant and becoming Miss Burma, which is sort of an anomaly because she's part of the ethnic minority, but she's also mixed race. And it just tells the story of how she goes along to deal, you know, to take advantage of this platform and to become a political activist. So what made you decide to pick this up? It's a really meaty book. I'm reading it with one of my book clubs. This was something that was on my list. I didn't, I don't know, you know, like you mentioned, I don't know a lot about Burma, just how they gained their independence from India and the different wars that they fought. I think it's India that they initially gained their independence from and then you know World War Two and the British and the Japanese, it's just it was a war torn country and then you had you know ethnic minorities, I guess fighting against each other to establish their own autonomy. So it's it's 
the heart of the story is good when you get get into the characters. The characters are quieter, but it's definitely a story that requires you to pay attention just because you, there's just it's just a different history. That's interesting. It's a, so I don't really have anything to base it on. So it's like sort of learning history and trying to keep who's at war with whom straight. And then certain people switch allegiances and all of this is going on and affecting this family and the story as well. Burma is a really interesting place. There's a lot of ethnic, there, there's so many different ethnic groups there and there's been yes. lots of, lots of violence. Against, and- yeah. And even it's even going on today. It's, um, it's actually Burma still has a very, very volatile situation with whole ethnic groups that they're driving out from where they are. They're not, we didn't experience any of that being in the two cities that we went to. But, were you um, in Rangoon? Yes, we were. And we went to um, a place called Bagan, which is a plane ride away and has these amazing temples. It's this very beautiful, serene place. And I think when I think of Burma, that's usually what I think of. Not so, not as much the capital, but I think more about Bagan. And I think about this very peaceful, spiritual place. And then contrasting that with what you, you know, how you're describing with all the kind of ethnic strife and the clashes that are happening. It's sort of a country of contradictions. Yes, it's right there around Thailand, which was interesting because when I visited there in the beginning of 2017, they were mourning. They were mourning their king's death, their leader's death, and there was like this year-long mourning process. And we saw people go, you know, like there were long lines to go to this temple where I guess they it was part of their mourning process that they visited him every week for a year. And the country, I think right now, when I was there, it, was, it had been taken over, you know, like it was being ruled by military junta. So... Those two countries neighbor each other, but just to echo, it's it's interesting to visit because you know there all there are all these beautiful temples and all of this culture, but at the same time, you you do get some evidence of it, you know, of them being countries under duress. Yeah, is this a new book? It was out in twenty seventeen. Oh, okay, so when you said she was nominated last year, it was for this book, right? Okay. It was for this book. Um, I think she made the long list and she was shortlisted because I guess it came out in the UK probably this year. So she was shortlisted for the Bailey's Women's Prize this year. Okay. So, but it definitely takes some dedication because it's a little slow in the beginning and there's like lots of, there's lots of culture to sort of try to distinguish who is whom in the story, but it's good. I'm still reading, I'm still reading, the Heart's Invisible Furies by John Boyne. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to be on my list, like I said. I'm making a little bit more progress with it because every now and then I'll just pick up the print and it's a much faster experience. But you know, I really love his books. And I'll talk a little bit more about him later on because he's got a new book coming out in November. Yeah, I think I've been reading. What's it called? A Ladder to the Sky. Okay. So we have covered Gail's book drama. Did you tell us the new book that you started reading? Oh, yeah, the new book. It's called, um, you know what? I'm going to have to look it up because it's one of those titles that's, uh, it's a, oh, okay. It's called All You Can Ever Know. It's by Nicole Chung. And it is a oh, memoir. I wanted to read that. Yeah, it's a memoir about um, a Korean girl 
girl, Korean American girl who's adopted by white parents in Oregon. And she's now probably in her mid twenties, maybe late twenties. Um, and, or maybe, maybe she's a little older than that, but I think she's looking back on how it felt to be adopted, mixed race adoption, to be the only Asian kid living in this kind of rural small town where her parents lived. It's very intensely personal. And I had read that it was just sort of exquisitely written. And um, I'm about maybe an hour into it. It's not that long either. I think it's only about seven hours on audio. So I don't know what that That's translates pretty short. to. Yeah, for an audio book. It's probably about a 250-page book or something. It's really good. It's really good. She's she's very clear and and, like I said, very personal in her writing. I don't know. I've always been interested in transracial adoption. I read. I feel like I've read a lot of books about it, fiction and non. And I'm excited to read this one. It's interesting because Girl, um, Girl Unknown and Red Clocks and now this book all deal with motherhood and identity. And a couple of these books have adoption in them. So I sort of feel like sometimes <laughs> I'm having trouble in my mind separating which book is which when I'm listening. I have to kind of reorient myself each time. But um, it's good. I really like it. Hmm. So the question is, do I finish that and then go back to Red Clocks? Do I hope Red Probably. Clocks turns up Probably. I mean, it seems like you got a bit of momentum there, right? Yeah. Are you yeah. not too far in? Yeah, I'm like an hour in. What did you say the name of it was again? All You Could Ever Know. All You Could Ever Know. It's one of those titles that's hard to remember. As you had to look it up yourself. Mm-hmm. And I was just listening to it like an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> so... Anyway, so that's where I am. I'm curious to your commute. How is that working out with reading? Have you settled on a walking, biking? Yeah, so that's the commute, which is a good thing, has gotten really short, which a bad thing means less audio time. So just because things have been so convoluted and all over the place since I moved in, and I feel like every morning I've got to you know either go back to the old house and get something or do an errand or something like that. So I haven't, I haven't walked or biked. I've just been driving and it's like 10 minutes. So it definitely means I'm going to tackle less audio. But then like this morning when I went to walk the dog, I brought the, I I listened to the audio. So I just have to figure, I've got to cram my audio in other times. I think it should be when you're walking the dog. Yeah. I was curious. That book is 240 pages. So you're about right. Yeah. Not, Not very long. All right, so let's jump into what we are really looking forward to reading in November. I'm predicting a major overlap between our two lists, by the way. Um, okay, so right off the bat, let's just take out Nine Perfect Strangers, which we've already covered, by Leanne Moriarty, and also Becoming by Michelle Obama. Both okay, that was half my list. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a short show. Short show. Shoot, you just like... I did all this work and now I've got it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, if you can, no, if kidding. you have something new to add to the conversation about you, have you been able to ferret out any more details about what we can expect from Michelle Obama's book? Nothing. <laughs> okay. Nothing. Have you? No. Okay. What's the date? November even... 23rd? Is that the date it's coming 13. out? 13. Oh, 13th. Okay. So that's like, that's soon. Soon. Yeah. It's pretty soon. Man, that's going to get so much Couple attention. A couple weeks. It's going to be reviewed um, all over the place. Her store, her, she is doing like these, this book tour. And of course, because she's Michelle Obama, her book tour is like in a stadium, you know, mm-hmm. I think she's going to come here. She's going to be at, 
Where's she like Madison Square Garden? She's not going to be. I think she's going to be at, um, gosh, the Net Stadium. I can't even think of the name of it. The Barclays Center. Barclays Center in Brooklyn, I right? think that I, I really believe that she sold out two nights at the Barclays Center. It's like she's Beyonce. Yeah, she came. It was funny. I was looking at like the, her tour here. And, you know, usually when big names come. And the tickets are expensive. What are they, 50 bucks or something? Um, no, I think if. If you wanted like nosebleed seats, they were fifty bucks, fifty to seventy five bucks. Wow. I believe that there are some tickets that are two hundred and fifty, five hundred dollars. Sure you know, if you want to like shake her hand, there's it's a couple grand. So it's like a big thing. She's um she's coming to Verizon here. Like I was thinking, oh, she's probably gonna be at one of the auditoriums at one of the universities. No, she's at the Verizon Center. That's where, <laughs> that's where the Capitals play. It's amazing. Yeah. She's Good on for the stadium her. tour. Good for her. That's great. So that, that's tour. the extent of what we know about this book. She's going to talk about her life, you know, of course, growing up in, in Chicago, going yes. to law school and, you know, having kids with the president. What that was like being yeah. the president's wife during that time. I was going to say, I'm sure she's going to talk about our boyfriend a fair amount. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> she's allowed. She's married to him. Uh, the things we put up with. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So here's my question for you. Are you going to buy this when it comes out? Probably. Yeah. Are you going to buy it in print? I don't know, but I may do both. She's probably going to read the audio, right? Uh, that's a great question. I'm sure she is. How could she not? Right. Um, do you think anyone is getting review copies of this book? Um, probably not. Yeah. They don't need to. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Maybe for the major, yeah, major, major papers. Yeah. Maybe they'll get it a week. I don't think that anyone's going to get their hands on it. Like, I think it'll be maybe a week before the book. It's probably right. like one of those books that they say has like a one day lay down or something like that. Right, with a very strict um, embargo. I bet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's narrating it, so it'd be Good. tough. How does it say how long it is? Nineteen hours and four minutes. Holy shit. Well, it's probably like a 400-page book, right? Yeah. Oh, but I bet it's so great to listen to her narrate it, too. Yeah. I may do it on audio. I don't know. We'll see. 480 480 pages. Yeah, it's long. 19 hours of Michelle Obama's voice in my ear. It's not bad, though. mm Mm-hmm. You think you're going to buy it? No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Maybe I'll wait to see if I get it as a gift or something. Um, Are you dropping hints to the husband? No, but, I, you know, I could see him buying that. That's the type of thing he would buy me. Um, I I would probably wait, read a bunch of reviews. I'd probably flip through it in the bookstore and then wait till it goes on sale. That's interesting because people have been rating it without reviewing it. And I wonder if this is like, you know, sometimes people – rate things on the cover or whatever, because I know no one has this book. What are they, what are the comments like? So excited for this. This is what I've been waiting for. The cover of this book was just revealed and they show the little praying hands. Got it. So it's just, it's just anticipation. Yeah. Mm, Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, I did have nine perfect strangers on my list. I know we have talked about it. This is the Leanne Moriarty book that's coming out sometime this month or sometime in November. Is there anything that has heightened your, have you heard anything that's um, heightened I your? I feel like I've read some reviews of it that have not been. Stellar. Amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I feel like I've heard that this is not her best book. Which, yeah. And I didn't think her last one. Truly, Madly, that. Deeply or whatever. Yeah, it was. it's not like it wasn't a good book. It wasn't like it was a bad book, I'll say that. It's just that it was just so, super intense with no, there was just like no relief anywhere in that book. It was just unrelentingly. Yeah. It was just unrelentingly grim, I thought. Uh, well, yeah, I, I, I have not got, it might be my carousel court. Oh my God. <laughs> I think that these were the books there. We have an unaired readerly report somewhere out there. I need to know if I have the sound files anymore where we basically just had a festivus. And I think we talked about carousel court and this book and we we're just like, it was ruining our lives. <laughs> we were grumpy reading. <laughs> bad I want to listen to that one. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i don't know i kind of want to get my hands on this one it sounded like a cool premise nine people thrust together in a health spa somewhere it's so it's her it's her go-to I, she writes sort of a similar book yeah i think it's you know it's usually people who well i don't well these are strangers so that might be what's different for her this time because usually she writes about people who know each other and very close quarters and something goes wrong, either their neighbors or their best friends or, you know, something happens. Let me ask you a question. Who would you be more excited to read a new book from? Leanne Moriarty or Jojo Moyes? That's a tough one. That's really, really tough. Maybe Leanne Moriarty. Really? What about you? Yeah. Yeah. They're different. I don't know. You, with the Jojo Moyes, it would be a little lighter. and Yeah, I think, and that's the reason why I think I went for Leanne. You know, like, I enjoy Me Before You. I didn't think it needed two sequels, but we got them, and they were enjoyable, and they were fine. I don't know that I've had much luck with her other books. What was that one I read by her? Uh, gotta look it up. There was another one I read by her that had a protagonist. I thought there were a few that you liked. Well, I think I've only read one other one that was um, not part of the There was trilogy. like Last Letter to Your Lover. I, I never think. read that one. And I never mm-hmm. read the one about the the painting, unless that's the same one. No. Yeah, I, I read one I called One Plus One. Oh, okay. And it was good. I liked it. I actually remember this one pretty well. What was that about? That was about this single mom whose daughter has to take this math test, like to go to this math Olympiad so that she can get the scholarship to a private school. So there's like a road trip, road trip where she goes to drive her daughter to this thing. And, you know, she's sort of like a little bit like Louisa Clark, like a little down on her luck, like despite her best intentions, things keep going wrong. And then she meets this rich guy and, um, I liked it actually. That was, I think that was a pretty good book. I never read last letter from your lover and I never read the one about the painting, which I didn't even know what that is. It's yeah, I don't remember what it is either. Um, the girl you left behind the girl you left behind. Okay. So this is, this is going to be Gail's favorite book of 2019 when she reads it because Patricia Harmon has a new one <laughs> called once a midwife and it's a hope river novel. It's coming out November 6th. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not adding that to my list. No, 
No. So this is a sequel to a book that I read earlier this year that I found extremely frustrating. Not extremely frustrating. I found it frustrating. And not You liked it, though. Sort of. Eh. I don't know. You it said was, you did. I did. Let's see what I You did. You said, it was, you said it was just, it was a little slow, but. I said it was, okay, what did I write? I think you recommended it to our listeners. Uh, it's as far as character development, that's where the book is lacking. I had an easy time putting this book down and was rarely compelled back to finish it. Not a lot happened. No, I said give it a pass. If you want some oh, historical did. fiction and are okay with not a lot happening, you may enjoy it. Otherwise, I'd give it a pass. Ugh. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, I will not be reading the sequel. follow up with Patience Hester and her husband with the Great Depression behind them, and I guess now they are transported to World War II. Then that's coming out November 6th. I just wanted to kind of tease Gail. Yeah. yeah. I <laughs> that's why be, I made note of this. I, I like this better than she did. I was okay with historical fiction that went nowhere, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I said it was very, very slow. When is it coming out? November 6th, I said? November 6th. Okay. So ready your pre-order list, Gail. Yeah. I'll get rid <laughs> on that. And then I'll exchange it for Becoming. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, here's a book that I have that's not uh, Leanne Moriarty or Michelle Obama, and it's called The Kinship of Secrets by Eugenia Kim. Was this oh, on your I list? I had that one. Yeah. Man, this will be a short show. Um, this is about two sisters, one that's raised in the U.S. and one who is raised in South Korea after her family moves to the U.S. And um, it's about... They are, it takes place in 1948, so it's right before the war, the Korean War, and just about how this family tries to keep themselves together with, you know, with their, their, the physical distance and separation between them. It's told through alternating perspectives of the distance sisters and inspired by a true story. The kinship of secrets explores the cruelty of war, the power of hope, and what it means to be a sister. Comes out November six. This was interesting because this sort of reminds me of the Miss Burma book, just in terms of so much stuff going on, um, so much stuff going around around war, especially in that area. Because uh, if this was set in South Korea and countries were going through similar things, yeah, at, at that time, you know, trying to keep your family together towards war. Yeah, this intrigued me too. Just the aspect of a family immigrates and they leave their youngest daughter behind, um, and just what that must do to a family. I mean, to have such different upbringings and, you know, how you make that decision as a parent. Right. Right. Um, okay. So, what else do you have? So I have a ladder to the sky by John Boyne. It comes out November 13th. Um, this looks like it's going to be a, a better version for me, sort of similar to less by Andrew Sean Greer, but something I'll like more. It's about this um, man, Maurice Swift. He's described as handsome, charming, and hungry for success, um, which he has not achieved yet as a writer. And he runs into this older gentleman who tells him like this, he tells them this fantastic tale uh, set in World War One, and I think it was his experience. And what he does is he writes this man's story and becomes like this renowned and famous writer. So, of course, he needs to keep 
he needs to keep this up and keep writing more stories. And it says, how far will he go? And also, the bigger you are, the harder you fall. Hmm. And it takes place in, you know, locales in different countries, and it's his career as a writer. So definitely curious to see what is the story that he ends up writing that propels his success and and how he navigates that. And I just, at this point, I think, you know, I'm, like, really enjoying The Heart's Invisible Furies. John Boyne wrote, like, one of my favorite books, The Absolutist. So I think he has made his way onto my list of um authors that I'm going to read, you know, I'll read their books. Yep. No I'll read what. anything. He writes, he wrote, um, the boy with the striped pajamas, which I think is something that he's most well known for. And it's a YA novel. I think also set in world war two. Yeah. That's a concentration so, camp book, right? I, I think so. So he loves the historicals. So what else do you have? Okay. Is this going to be your last book? This is my last one. Um, <laughs> it's called the adults. Oh, okay. You have that too? <laughs> I have that too, but I have a couple more, so okay. it's okay. Uh, this is by Caroline Hulse, H-U-L-S-E. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. And this is about a family. They're, the husband and wife are separated. They have a daughter. They're each involved with someone else, and they all decide to go on vacation together. So it just sounded funny. I don't really know much more about it. Uh it's about... Yeah, the book opens with a 911 call. So we know okay. the, you know right away that the vacation does not go well. Um, I think during the 911 call, and I know because I just got a review copy of this and read the first chapter or the prologue, and I think, so someone calls 911, and I think it's just like someone's bleeding, and they're trying to get them to give more information, but they disappear from the phone. So that is that is what we learn in the first page about this vacation. <laughs> Sounds lovely. I think that is it possible I picked this up at Book Expo. It is. It's or, possible. It's familiar. When I open Because I feel like it's something maybe I have a couple of copies of some things that I'm going to put in our Facebook group as a giveaway because it seems like I've got some duplicates. Like mm. either I picked up stuff at BEA and now it's, you know, turning up in my mailbox. I have a couple of things that I can offer to our listeners. All right. I think I have this. I'm going to open my BEA box again soon and unpack it. And then I'll have everything laid out and I'll be able to see it all. And you did that big book purge. How many do you think you have left? Oh, I mean, I have a lot left, but I got (laughs) rid of, I got rid of a lot, a lot, a lot of books. I probably got rid of hundreds of books. Okay. Like five, 600. I don't know. A lot of books. Probably. So um, one thing that is nice in the new house is that I have a library. We actually installed built-in shelves. Mm -hmm. And so I've told myself that my reward for unpacking some of the less pleasant stuff is I get to unpack the books. So last Mm -hmm. night I placed the books in the the boxes in the general order in which they're going to go on the shelves. Mm -hmm. Um, And pretty soon I can actually open the boxes and put them on the shelves. So do you have any thoughts about how you're going to organize? Is this going to be like a color scheme kind of thing? Is it going to be um, by nonfiction fiction? Is it going to be by author last name or author first name? Definitely fiction, nonfiction. So it's going to be fiction by author last name. Then it's going to be nonfiction by topic. 
and then it's going to be shelves of TBR. Mm-hmm. So the TBRs don't get Shelved slotted with the regular in books. with the fiction books until I've read them and deemed them worthy of keeping. Oh, dear Lord. Yeah, well. <laughs> so it's going to be basically a TBR library. A TBR and library. shelves yeah. of nonfiction and fiction books. Yeah, yeah. So well, I want to come visit and set up a blow-up bed in the library. Oh, my God. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. It, it, everything is, as you know from my last house, everything was scattered all over the place. And now everything's all in one room. So I'm very excited right. about that. I had to tour Gail's house to see her books. <laughs> <laughs> Um, There's the nightstand pile, which I've never seen a nightstand like yours. I think it was like 50 books. Yeah, it was out of control. Oh, Gail has a library. So do you think you will actually read in there or will you still have like a nightstand? Um, That's going to be also my office. So I don't know how much reading I'm actually going to do in there, but um, it will be where all the books are housed. Okay. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. So speaking of books and books that Gail loves, I noticed, I don't know if you noticed Gail on shelf awareness, they started giving away review copies of Daisy Jones and the six. Oh, did they? So I guess the galleys came in. Ah, maybe I will uh, put my name in there for that. Cause right now I only have it on digital, which I don't love. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I mentioned that so that if you can get your hands on it, Someone reviewed it today, um, someone that I follow, and she was not enamored with it. Oh. But she also doesn't like rock music or stories about bands in the 70s, so. Right. I mean, well, that was one of my questions to you when I said, well, what's driving the interest in this book? What, whether it was people wanted that story or people wanted that story from her. Because that's so specific. Like, even if I liked her, I, you know, I'm not, you know. If I liked her, it would depend on what I thought of her writing. And since I don't know what her writing is like, like maybe in someone's hands, I would do a musical story like that. But just generally, I'm not hunting down the rock band stories. Yeah. Oh, see, and I like that stuff. So Right. Um, although she's my John Boyne. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Um, I will read probably anything she writes at this point. I mean, I haven't read all of her backlist, but I, I will be interested in everything that she publishes puts out okay she's bumped jennifer haig yeah right (laughs) exactly Exactly. all right so a couple of books that i have that i managed to get that gail does not have one is all the lies we never lived by anarada roy so this one is set also you know i'm not usually one for the world war ii books but these are the books that are coming at world war ii from the angles of different countries that we normally don't think about, like I don't think about. Um, So this one is set in India during World War II, and it is about the mixed Indian. He's a mixed child. He has an Indian mother and he has a German father, which they say everyone in, you know, India just assumes that the father's British because they associate um, white with being British. And his mother abandons parenthood and marriage to follow her, what they say, her primal desire for freedom. So it's about the son piecing together his mother's story and like, you know, what the life that she's led away from the family and and it follows her to several different countries. So I was just really curious about that. It sounds like it was going to be really good. Um, Anna Rada Roy gets a lot of acclaim as a writer and I've been looking forward to reading 
her books. So this one sounded really good. And then the last one that I have is one of my sort of haunted house books. It's called The Latecomers by Helen Klein Ross. It's going to be out November 6th. And it's about set in 1908. So I'm going big on the historicals in November. Set in 1908, it's about this 16-year-old bridey who is running away from Ireland with her boyfriend. Um, I don't believe that they get married. Anyway, they are on a boat to the United States. He ends up getting sick and dying. She gives birth to their child in the United States and gives them the child up for adoption. And then she goes on to find um, a position as a maid in this New England house. But it seems like tragedy follows her again. And there's a mysterious death in the house. And so it's all about, you know, the aftermath of this death and what happens. And it's a dual time period because there is also someone who is going to be taking a look back at this past to see what happened. And we'll be discovering all of those secrets. I love books like that. Um, So a really good one when you like books like that about the um, sort of haunted houses and dual time periods is Kate Morton's. Gosh, I can't think of The Clockmaker's Daughter. That's why I was having a problem. It's a daughter book. Um, But that one's really good. It reminds me of this book that I also read this year, Black Rabbit Hall, which I really loved, which is about a haunted house. And what these two books, The Clockmaker's Daughter and Black Rabbit Hall, have in common is that they are so slow to start. But the payoff just makes them so good. Hmm. Okay. So... um, all right, you want to we, quickly talk about um, paperback books that are coming out? I have a few of these for November, too, of books that I've read. Okay, yeah, let's do it. I, think I don't know that I have many. I have four, which are ones that I've read recently, so I can at least talk a little bit about them. Okay. Um, Let me look at my list. Okay, so the first one I have is called Green by Sam Graham Felson. And this book is about a kid growing up in Boston who is white and attends in pretty much an all-black uh, middle school and in the 80s, I think. And it's all about his sort of identity and the fact that he feels like he doesn't really fit in and how he's trying to navigate his way through this middle school experience where he's this very different kid. Um, it's also about his relationship with his parents, relationship with his best friend, coming of age. Um, and it, I thought it was pretty good. So that is now out on paperback uh, or coming out in November. Um, the other one I wanted to recommend was called Happiness, a Memoir, The Crooked Little Road to Semi Ever After by Heather Harpham, which is a memoir about a woman who has a daughter that's born with a condition that requires lots of hospitalizations and surgeries. And, um, she's basically not involved with the father at the time the baby is born. And it's just a, it's just a very involving memoir about that, that time in her life. And, uh, I like that one too. And I've read, I've read a few reviews of it and people seem to like it a lot. I'm just uh, actually pulling up my review of it right now. Uh, happiness. Yeah. So, you know, it's kid, the kid in danger type story, but it's real and accurate and detailed. And I thought it was very honest. 
So that is that one. Then the next one is one that you, the next two I have are both ones that you and I have read. The first one is The Wife Between Us by Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekinen. This is one of the, I don't know, it's a whole genre of psychological thrillers involving tortured wives. But uh, this one was They have another good. one together coming out in January. Did you get a copy of that? I think I did, and I don't I think it's called it's An called. Anonymous Girl or something like that. No, maybe not. I'm not sure if I picked that up or not. Um, I thought that The Wife Between Us was sort of a notch above some of the more, um, I don't know, some of the other psychological thrillers that we've read in this genre. It's got some twists and turns, and you think the story's headed in one direction, and it changes a couple times, and that's kind of fun. So that's a good, if you're getting on an airplane, need a book to read, that's a good one. And then, speaking of Jojo Moyes, her third installment in the Louisa Clark trilogy, Still Me, uh, actually came out this month, October, in paperback. So if you've been listening, uh, looking for the final installment of Louisa Clark, what we yes. hope will be the final installment, yes, which we are recommending should be. <laughs> it's going to be the final installment for us. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So the Sarah Peckin and Greer Hendricks book that's coming out in January, which they is, I think that's the psychological. I mean, they come out throughout the year, but I feel like they're a huge amount of psychological thriller popcorny fiction comes out around January. Um, I don't know. They seem to go hand in hand with self-help books. I'm not sure why, but we should, we'll, we'll definitely look into those because I've got a ton of those sort of type books coming out for um, the beginning, like January, February of next year. That seems to be the time that they make the splash. Have you read any Kristen Hanna? No. I have her latest book, and I, I just saw when I was looking through lists of paperbacks that are coming out that, you know, one, I think The Winter Garden is going to be out in paperback. I have The Great Alone. I've got to read that. I keep hearing so much about her. Yeah, I've heard a lot about her, too, and I've never read anything by her. Um, so did you have any more paperbacks? Nope. I know, I know I have paperbacks, but... For whatever reason, I have no idea where that list is. And <laughs> hanging out with my book. <laughs> <laughs> hanging out with Gail's book. Yeah. So, Gail, I'm going to put this question in your mind to think about. You might have an answer that pops up right away, but this is something that we're definitely going to start to talk about as we start wrapping up the year. Um, what sticks out as one of your favorite reads of 2018? Oh, man. I actually just talked about one of mine. I think... When I finished Black Rabbit Hall by Eve Chase, it was just one of those books that I was like, oh, my gosh, I really loved it. Which was interesting because the first hundred pages, I was interested, but it was, you know, I was not, um, it wasn't riveting. I was just sort of like, at what point does this pick up? And then it, for it to pay off in such a satisfying way, I feel like that's why it sticks out in my head so much as something I loved. Yeah. Um. For all the reading I've done this year, I know you've sort of been a little. I have not had. Meh. I have not hit anything yet. Right. I think American Marriage is probably my top pick. Mm. Um, everything. I'm That's a good top pick. List. Yeah, but I have to say it doesn't have a lot of competition. Um, I yeah, this really frustrates me that I feel like, you know, I try to like 
be so discriminating about what I read, like not, not discriminating, like in like, I mean, deliberate on what I read. That's the word I'm looking for. Intentional. Intentional. Very intentional. I really try to pick books that have been well-reviewed, that people I trust like them. And in the end, I I just haven't been wowed by much that I've read. So I'm going to put American Marriage. I'll put Kitchens of the Great Midwest um, on there. And You didn't read that in 20. Oh, yes, you did. I did. I reread it. You reread it. I reread it. See, this is her cheat for Kitchens of the Great West so that she well, can, I think we've cheat. mentioned it every year mm-hmm. since 2016. I think that Gail's going to reread it so that she can put it on her best of I list. Mean, I mean, I challenge any other book to displace it, you know? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, just looking through this list, there's lots of books that were like, eh, you know, they were okay. But American Marriage, I wouldn't say that. So American Marriage is was really good. Um there are things I really liked about the book, A Place for Us, but it was too slow. So, right. Yeah. So as of now, that's going to be my pick. But I, there are still two months of reading. Yeah. So, um, where are you? Oh, in number this of is books? The, this two-month mark. Are you starting to look for the shorties yet? No, I'm, I'm okay. I think I've obviously hit a little snag this this month with the move, but I was ahead. So I think I'm right on schedule. Oh, that's good. Are you like over 200 books? No, no. I slowed down a lot. I got busy. Like there was work stuff going on. I was traveling and, um, I just didn't feel like reading as much. I listened to more podcasts and got into some television. We should talk about that. We should talk about what we, what kind of media I guess we consume when we're not reading. And we were actually talking about a few good podcasts that we found. So maybe, Maybe next week we will delve into um, some of the podcasts and TV shows and, that have caught our eye. I'm at 93. Okay, I'm at 45. My little spreadsheet is telling me that I will still pull it out and read like 120 books before the end of the year is over. Oh, that's great. Um, but I'm in no rush. I'm in no rush. Like I've, I've been more intentional and deliberate and just sort of um, thinking about things with the podcast and thinking about some other things. So I have not been reading as much. Right. So. All right. If you have enjoyed our show, please rate review and tell your friends to give us a listen. Um, we are still making plans for our offline online DC NYC book club. So shoot me an email. If that's something that you would be interested in at Nicole at readerlymag.com. Um, next week I was thinking maybe we would talk about some nonfiction. Okay. Cause I feel like I didn't mention a lot of books because I think I had it in my head that so many of them were nonfiction. It might be nice to group them together. Um, we will be thinking about the books that have really stood out for us this year. That might be something okay. that might be my, that might be my, my spotlight. This. <laughs> okay. I have lots that I, that I enjoy. Maybe it's because I read twice as much. Um, that sounds good. Maybe I just had more to pick from. Yeah, that's probably true. So All right. until next time. All right. Happy reading. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Readerly Podcast. You can find issues of Readerly at readerlymag.com, and you can find me, Gail, blogging at Everyday I Write the Book, which is at everydayiwritethebookblog.com, 
and Nicole at Linus's Blanket, which is linusesblanket.com. Please subscribe to the Readerly Podcast at iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Until next time, keep reading.